welcome to the 30th episode of the world of running i'm your host aditi pandya you make my heart beat faster kim kans had no idea when she was writing this song in 1983 and the impact it will have on endurance athletes in today's world as runners some of the common questions we hear are what's your resting heart rate how much is your max heart rate what's your average heart rate and how can i improve my heart rate these questions generally pop up during and post runs why does heart rate take such a prominent place in runners training one of the foundational principles of running is training at the right intensity a key to making gains in aerobic fitness aerobic fitness is what determines long distance running performance in the past runners primarily used pace and effort to determine intensity smart watches and chest strap that allow athletes to monitor their heart rate revolutionized the way athletes trained before we go any further in today's episode i have a request for all our listeners support us by sharing our podcast link with a runner who's yet to discover us It takes a lot of work to research the topic, create questions, record with our guests and post production. Your feedback will encourage us to create more content. You can share your feedback with us or topics you would like to listen by emailing us at connect@geeksonfeet.com. Also, do rate our podcast wherever you're listening. In this episode we will discuss about heart rate training and how we can use it for effective training outcomes and optimizing performance and recovery. Our guest for today is Anand Hathwalne. Anand has been running for close to 2 decades. In 2013 he co-founded Running Potential through which he has been helping fellow runners and friends to get better at the sport. He has a couple of ultras and a few marathons under his belt. Anand is especially drawn to the physiological aspects of running and exercise science. He's a public speaker and has delivered many talks related to running in the public domain. Anand was also invited multiple times by the Indian Army establishments such as National Defence Academy and the College of Military Engineering in Pune. the army war college and an army camp in assam to talk about these topics in 2019 owing to his work in spreading awareness about heart rate variability for endurance sports the training platform heart rate variability for training also known as hrv for training chose anand as one of its mentors hi anand welcome to this episode Hi Aditi, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah. So Anand, today being a Saturday, is your long run on Saturdays or is it tomorrow? It's actually both. It's actually uh, an easy run on Saturday followed by a longer run on Sundays or vice versa depending on what I'm doing in a training block. Currently I'm not training for anything, so I'm taking it easy. So you know today was my long run too and uh, we have as we are going to talk about heart rate I must say today my heart rate was much more higher as compared to you know last few days and um, uh, and it it triggers right so every time if my heart rate is higher um 
it troubles me right so um you know anand i want to start by saying the asking you that um, as for the basics we all probably know that a lower heart rate means lower effort right but beyond that why is heart rate monitoring important for an effective training yeah thanks for asking that question uh, at the outset i just wanted to put that out to in everyone's head that hr is only a means to train it's not the holy grail on etc a common sense should prevail all the time and i'll keep saying this probably once in a while because people who are actually looking at heart rates or the devices that measure the heart rates they typically get obsessed by data pretty soon although they would start by not caring too much then or they see some value in it and then they somehow get sucked into it so please keep in mind that every individual is different uh, i keep uh, saying sometimes in a uh, in a kidding uh, fashion that hrs are like salaries it's best not to compare them people now start comparing as well this we are all bitten by social media and etc so it's very natural for people to compare hrs and then think oh this person is having a very lower hr etc but at the end of it as you were saying hr is a means to train at the correct intensity and hr training is nothing but a type of training and those who are uh, not new to the exercise basics it's about how you load your muscles and etc heart being a muscle by the way people forget that as well that how do you train something so that you stress and then let it recover and in the process it becomes better so that's the premise and it's no different when it comes to hr monitoring sure and uh, so anand do you want to talk about uh, you know training intensity on a particular day and and the level of recovery that is required to lower down the heart rate absolutely so as i was saying earlier that training at the right intensity is of paramount importance i mean people go out for a run um, if they have coach great if they are self coach that is also great but without realizing that there are certain common sense principles that we should be aware of um that training hard and followed by training easy so hard easy kind of principles etc so let's not forget when we come to the advanced topic like heart rate monitoring uh, that what are the basic of training right it's a stress put some stress on the body and let the body respond and uh, how much you stress is also important because as i was saying um if you stress it too much then your fitness goes down again let me remind you again uh, at this point that training actually reduces your fitness on that particular day so people have this notion in their heads that if you keep training then your fitness improves so that's not true that's half of the equation because training plus recovery is actually producing the effective fitness that you want to have so in terms of the you might have heard a term called polarized training which is also sometimes called 80 20 training where 80% of your training happens at the low or easy intensity and 20% should happen at the high intensity we are all guilty of operating in a very intermediate or a dead zone as they would call it so it's neither too hard neither too easy so your easy runs become way too faster than they should be and your harder runs are not that hard to reap the benefits of this extreme spectrum that you would need to have and again distance running being an endurance sport all of your energy should primarily come from the aerobic system um and you want to have more of a fat kind of adaptation coming uh, into this picture what i mean by that is most of your energy should come 
from your fat deposits and not from your glycogen deposits, which is a high octane fuel, if you want to say. Uh, you could reserve that energy for the last part of your race or etc. But primarily when you are training, you want to have your body uh, respond to the fat mobilization and utilization of fat for producing energy. So easy things easy, hard things hard. That should be a no-brainer, but people, all of us tend to forget that. Um, I would use heart rate monitoring, especially for the base building or easy running uh, phases in your training cycle, mainly because, as I said, 80% of your dom training should be dominant by easy running. And heart rate monitoring helps in keeping that easy things easy. You might be tempted to go faster because your cardiovascular system improves much faster than your musculoskeletal system, for example. But at the end of it, you want to have that leash or that uh, break on your system saying, no, the things are still improving. And you can go and read the literature about how easy running would help in developing capillaries, mitochondria, etc. So heart rate monitoring, although you're monitoring the heart, what is actually causing you or giving you the benefit is it's priming your system for a faster running. If you get that equation in your head that I'm running slower, but everybody wants to run faster, I get it. Nobody wants to learn, uh, run slower or get slower over time. But for training, for training, it's very important to have this point in your head that you need to train at a lower intensity 80% of your time and heart rate monitoring plays a very important role. For racing, let me just cover the other part that for racing, it's a different ball game. There also you need or you can use heart rate to govern or to guide you at the right intensity because if you are not running at the right intensity, even if you have trained correctly and you have the right potential, you may not be tapping that potential. So again, I think probably we'll discuss later in this talk that what is the lactate threshold heart rate and how you should be running around that for various distances to maximize your performance at a race. The last point I would like to stress is heart rate is an input. You might have heard of things like how cyclists and even runners now can train with a power meter, which is the output. So you can train both ways, but remember heart rate is the input that you are produce, or giving for producing that kind of uh, effort, right? So it will vary depending on the conditions as you were saying that today your heart rate was very high, probably because it's summer season here and etc. So uh, keep all these factors in mind uh, when you are going about training with a heart rate monitor. Sure, and this this is a, a very very useful. Um, so, Anand, I also want to uh, ask you for the benefit of our our listeners: is what are the best ways to monitor heart rate? Right. So, some of us use wrist uh, wrist watches, and now there are there are a lot of uh, watches, right? Smart watches in the in the market, and then some of us use also chest straps. Right. So, I have been running for many years now and i have seen this trend uh, those who have been running longer they would agree with me probably here that chest strap came first as you correctly said and they were very clumsy to be very honest i mean to wear the chest strap was not very easy um, it was having all the shaping and etc problems it used to have some static electricity problems it used to jump when you if you're not uh, wearing it properly not snug enough if you're not wetted for example to begin with um, and all that problems, right? Then people improved over that. Then they started having soft straps and etc. I'm talking about the players like Garmin and Polar. 
and I would take Polar, for example, as the leader in heart rate monitors. For the GPS market, um, Garmin is the leader. However, as you can imagine or you can see now that these two companies are getting into each other's market segment. So Polar then later came into GPS segment and then Garmin uh, went into the uh, heart rate monitoring segment, obviously by licensing some technologies. What I'm primarily trying to get to is the risk-based heart rate monitors, which got introduced a few years ago, maybe 10 years ago, and they were not accurate. To be very honest with you, of course, uh, you are trying to use a technology called PPG, which is a photoplethysmograph, which actually detects the how your uh, the color of your blood is changing when it is flowing through your veins and etc., uh, which is a kind of indirect measurement, if you ask me, as opposed to the chest strap, which is actually directly sitting and measuring the vibration uh, in your in your chest. So, and then obviously. In between, the risk-based monitors got better and better. Uh, today, I would say you can compare by using two heart rate monitors, one with a chest strap and one with a risk-based, and you can uh, argue that they are pretty much same, if not like too far away right, from each other. But in between, people would also find, and those, I mean, I mean, I'll digress into cycling a bit, but if you can wear it on your arm or a sleeve, etc., then obviously you have good options. Those are again using the PPG technology. Uh, so wristband companies like uh, Scotia Rhythm 24 and etc. Uh, they use this side by arm kind of uh, bands, which are also useful while training, uh, even swimming. They are uh, uh, water resistance to, to a degree. So and to the last, I would like to cover uh, saying you can get even fancy, but these are typically medical applications like earlobes. You can. Uh, monitor your heart by attaching devices to your earlobes. Uh, I think the company is called LumaFit or uh, many other players like that. And the recent wearable technologies that you might have heard of is Aura Ring and etc. Right, so they can measure your heart rate by uh, you wearing a ring around your finger. So there are various ways. I would uh, to summarize. I would probably go with the uh, for the for the sheer convenience. Uh, either wrist-based or uh, chest strap. Understood. So, um, so Anand, I want to talk about HR training. And as you mentioned earlier, that uh, HR training is highly individualized and it depends on several factors, right? And this this include external factors, like you mentioned just earlier, that uh, being summer, we uh, the heart rate will change. And it also depends on factors like fitness levels and genetics, right? So, uh, can you explain HR training zones and how are they used for training? Absolutely. So as you said, there are individualistic zones. People should not compare their zones with your body and etc. Right. So that's one thing to watch out for. That's a very um, easy trap to get into. There are two ways. As you are saying, it's a zone. So you have to divide something into some segments of intensities. Naturally, these are nothing but intensities, various intensities which if you train in those intensities, you would get some benefits, physiological benefits, as I was calling out that there are some physiological benefits of easy running. There are some physiological be benefits of running at a threshold intensity, uh, such as your tempo runs and et cetera, that you are familiar of and all that. It's very critical that then your HR zone is correct or either I would say it's an art and science, if you ask me, um, at the outset, you can say you can define your heart rate range 
One mistake that people do is they just go by their max HR, which is unless you have really measured your maximum heart rate, it's not correct. So if you have a maximum HR figured out by a field test, and there are various field tests, uh, you can Google it. Uh, I would suggest you go to a Polar website where they have a documented way of detecting how your maximum HR should be determined using a field test around a say 400 meter track or on a hill and etc. So suppose you have your correct maximum HR, please don't derive everything from this uh, number alone. I would also look at your resting heart rate and that ties down to the point that you were talking about that your what is your current fitness level. So resting HR is your heart rate with at a relative rest. So something in the morning, and I think probably we can cover that later in this talk. But imagine that this is the range when you are completely rested or relatively rested and you are maximally taxed, you are redlining, so as to speak. What's the range in which your heart rate can beat, right? Your heart can beat. And then you figure out this becomes your heart rate reserve or the zone. And then you divide this zone into various uh, percentages. So to give an example, anything below, say, 60% would be your active recovery kind of zone, which could also mean walking. So sometimes you are like uh, done a very hard workout and next day you want to either go for a shuffle or a jog, easy jog or a walk. That would mean the active recovery zone. 60 to 75% is the holy grail, as people call it, is the Z2 or the zone 2. Uh, 75 to 85 is, again, threshold levels. And if you go further, it's redlining or even higher anaerobic zone where you are gasping for oxygen. Uh, the available oxygen is not enough. So 85 to 95 would be Z, uh, zone 4 and 95 plus zone 5. Again, if you get super technical about it, I will repeat what I said. If you become too uh, married to these uh, zones, etc., then you will find that there are Z4A, Z4B, then Z5A, Z5B, and all those kind of levels. Depending on what training system you follow, you will also find, oh, there are no five zones, there are seven zones. I would suggest keep it simple, stick to the active recovery or zone two uh, followed up by that, uh, maybe a higher intensity threshold zone uh, Z3 and maybe Z4. Uh, for a long distance runner, which predominantly I think what we are, unless you are a sprinter and etc., then these are the zones I would rather care about. Got it. So, Anand, would you even like to talk, uh, uh, touch base about uh, the lactate threshold HR? Right. So, as I was saying, various intensities cause various physiological adaptations in your body. So, when you are running easy, that doesn't mean uh, you are weak or anything. You are actually priming your system or your peripheral system, supporting system, including heart and lungs, for running faster or at a higher efficiency, right? So the next one is the lactate threshold where the different, so far going back to the uh, zone one or zone two, lower intensity zones, what you are primarily doing is using oxygen, the presence of oxygen. It is sometimes also called conversational pace where you can utter full sentences while talking to your running partner or to yourself. That means there is sufficient oxygen, right, available. So what happens in that zone is primarily your body is trying to tap fat for producing energy. This is aerobic energy system dominant at this point. As you progress or as you increase the intensity, this balance of 
some energy coming from fat and some energy coming from your stored muscle glycogen shifts or start shifting towards your muscle glycogen storage, which is because it needs immediate energy for producing the faster paces or effort that you are desiring. The side effect of that is at certain point, there is a byproduct which is always present. People, again, probably uh, do not know this or maybe forget that the lactic acid, which is a byproduct of this muscle using all these ingredients for producing energy or ATP molecule, as they say, then the byproduct is a lactic acid, which or rather blood lactate, which gets recycled by the body to produce more energy. So lactate itself is not bad. What is bad is the lactic acid when H plus ions start accumulating in your blood. This is the feeling that uh, you feel that your muscles are warm and then you are feeling very heavy muscles and feel that your legs are becoming like lead, etc. So all that feeling is because of this lactic acid accumulation happening at an intensity which is just beyond your a threshold point which is called the lactate threshold the reason it is called th threshold point is because if you cross this point then the blood lactate level which is accumulating slowly in your blood suddenly starts rising and it doesn't come down even if you reduce your intensity so you can imagine this to be kind of a lakshman resha that if you cross this line too early in your race or in your training then i think the damage is done what happens is because of this intensity or the way the lactic acid is now accumulating at a very faster pace in your blood, the body takes this as a threat and then starts shutting down your aerobic mechanism, which are nothing but your mitochondria in your cells and etc., which are actually producing aerobic component of the energy system and body actually starts shutting down those factories. So you will realize that even if you slow down, you don't feel or you don't feel comfortable at all or you cannot increase your pace the way you want after recovering. So that's the lactate threshold and it's very important when you are racing. So that's why this training around this intensity, knowing this intensity is very critical. Yeah, and I totally relate to you, Anand, because uh, when I had just started training and was introduced to interval training, I remember I would actually hit the wall very quickly, right? Because I would I would touch that threshold of lactic uh, lactic acid very quickly, and uh, then even after uh, slowing down for for a considerable time, my body would be more than exhausted, right? So the recovery becomes very very difficult. Exactly, and as I said, those who are like performance driven and who care about their race times and etc., it's very critical that you know your lactate threshold where it is if you care for the heart rate during the racing also. Um, and there are tests how you determine. I think the next question would be how would you uh, determine this lactate threshold yeah. point? So, so you actually brought the you actually brought it at the right time. My next question to you was how to determine and personalize the HR zones. All right. So as I said, there are two aspects. As I said, maximum heart rate, if you go that route, then um, I would probably not suggest because we are talking to masses here. Maximum heart rate is a feeling where you feel like puking at the end. So people tell me they have they have maximum heart rate of, say, 118, etc. And I said, did you get a feeling of puking at that point, etc. And they said, no, I was pretty comfortable. It was hard, but I mean, but take it from me that maybe at that point your maximum heart rate is 10 bits higher than what you think. So 
that thing apart, if you really know or you go to a lab and figure out your maximum heart rate, fine, that's great. Then you have your resting heart rate, which we talked about. You get the range of this heart rate reserve, this zone, and then you start dividing with the percentages I talked about, saying 60% of this range, add it to your resting heart rate, that becomes your zone one. Then you have 60 to 75%, take off this HRR, the reserve zone that we talked about, take 60 to 75% of it, add it to the resting heart rate, that becomes your zone two and things like that, right? So 75 to 85, 85 to 95, and then above. However, if you are a little advanced and you care and are, are intrigued now by this lactate threshold point, which will be a sole indicator of how you will perform in a race, because if you exceed it, then you are probably doomed. So you could also determine your uh, zones as a percentage of lactate threshold. And at this point, I would like to mention that you don't have to do this by yourself if you know your lactate threshold by various means. Uh, so there is a Joe Friel, who is a very renowned triathlon coach. So you can find out Joe Friel test for lactate threshold. And he suggests a 30-minute field test to determine. And what he means by that, run 30 minutes hard solo. It should be solo. It cannot be a race. You don't run with somebody because that will determine and adrenaline and et cetera, et cetera. So it should be a solo time trial. You are running hard for 30 minutes and take an average HR in the last 20 minutes. That would be a probably a good indicator. Uh, that heart rate in the last 20 minutes would be probably a good indicator where your lactate threshold is. And of course, this is uh, art and science, as I said. So if you are doing this test now and then, then over time you could see that at certain intensity or certain pace, your heart rate is remaining constant for a long time, say 20, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, and you slightly increase your effort, it starts shooting up. And then probably you will realize that this is your lactate threshold uh, point. Uh, if you exceed it, then you are uncomfortable. But if you maintain at it, then you are pretty much comfortable. So again, if you are training, you have a coach who can monitor and deduce this point for you. That's great. But otherwise, there are tests that I mentioned about where you can do a 30-minute test. Understood. And and one more thing is that how do you use the HR training in a training cycle, right? So uh, is there a typical way of understanding that some of the runs are done depending upon the HR zones and if you can throw some light there? Oh, absolutely. This is of no use if you don't put it to use, right? So this is all theory so far that how do you calculate your training zone intensities, etc. Fine. Then in a training cycle, typically, as I said, 80% of your running happens at a comfortable level 20% might happen at a harder harder effort level so i would put zone 1 and zone 2 which are the recovery and kind of base training zones most of your recovery and base runs will, should happen in those zones long steady runs which you typically mention that saturday or sunday runs typically again the benefit is in adaptation to your musculoskeletal systems and your aerobic capacity or aerobic endurance, it should be in, again, higher aerobic zone, which is, again, at the top of your zone two at the end. And the tempo runs, where you actually can make use of your zone three or the threshold zone or lactate threshold for determining and enhancing. So if you keep training around this zone, you will notice that at the same heart rate, your pace starts improving. And this is the critical zone for your racing and uh, performance. So 
20% of your hard running probably should happen around this threshold zone. Typically, people do one tempo run in a day, uh, in a week, sorry. Then uh, that's the uh, zone three for training. For intervals, I would not use it. To be very honest, I would put the HR monitor out or if you have it, record it, but don't go by heart rate monitor for interval or short runs simply because heart rate by its inherent nature is a lagging indicator. What I mean by that is it takes some time to reflect uh, the effort in your heart rate. So for short intervals and etc., it's pretty much useless. You can resort to other techniques like power meters, like stride and etc., which are more instantaneous. Got it. So Anand, can you also talk about math training and elaborate on that? We, uh, you know, it is similar to the heart rate uh, way of working. Yes. So when I think it was in 2006, when I started reading about heart rate monitoring, um, I also got my Polar F6, those who are few who have been using those devices at that time. And then uh, there was a coach or endurance coach. Uh, his name is Phil Maffetone. He is a musician, by the way, as well. Uh, I think he has ventured into music as his uh, full-time hobby now. But he came up with his idea or an empirical formula saying there is a concept of maximum aerobic function. This is the MAF acronym that you mentioned. And what he saw or what he determined is instead of using any formula to determine your maximum heart rate, et cetera, he came up with a formula saying 180 minus your age. So that's the empirical formula. So suppose you are a 20 year old or 30 year old, for example, then 180 minus 30 is 150. That is the maximum heart rate at which you should train to reap the benefits of exclusive aerobic training. Don't exceed this in any kind of training, this, this becomes your limit. Um, so this is the ceiling, as you would call it. If you are, and again, there are variations to this. So you would find that if you are really not fit or if you have a major illness, uh, then you subtract 10 from this, right? So basically don't even train at this intensity, subtract 10 from it and then adjust that as your ceiling. If you are injured, for example, if you have regressed in your training, something happened, life uh, happened to you, then you subtract additional five beats, for example, from this. But if you have been consistently training for two years, yes, that becomes your ceiling. 180 minus age, you have been consistently training for two years, no problems. Keep that as your ceiling. And if you have more than uh, two years of experience uh, training consistently, then you give yourself some allowance um, and add maybe a five beats per minute to this number of 180 minus age. Uh, the idea is to force the body to do only exclusive aerobic activities, um, make the body learn to tap fat for fuel. Um, at this point, I would like to call out that there is a difference between cardiovascular fitness versus metabolic fitness in the sense you can hold a pace for a longer time because you are cardiovascularly fit. But what energy system you are using to hold that pace could be completely different, right? So you, know, you may be tapping more of a carbohydrate at a higher intensity than um, the fat and since fat is quote-unquote unlimited in our bodies then uh, our effort should be to shift this balance to more towards fat, towards fat burning and that's the idea about math. So um, 
this was more like getting uh, getting exposed to the various zones of hr training and how to use it so if we have to talk in practice and significant differences of hr from day to, on day to day basis what are the factors that will influence the resting heart rate and or heart rate in general like sleep or or say mm-hmm. infections etc Yes, I will start with your favorite mention that weather, heat. <laughs> so heat actually dictates how your heart rate is behaving. Uh, humidity. The next one, uh, the next one could be hydration levels. How hydrated you are, simply because the volume of blood that is circulating your through your system can dictate how fast or slow the heart needs to pump. That actually gets determined by how you are sweating. So your sweating rate also determines how your heart rate would behave. the other factors which are not so obvious is stress although people do see that they can have a racing heart if they are stressed lack of sleep as you mentioned uh, lack of recovery that is because sleep is a legal recovery tool i would say which people are not tapping these days uh, but lack of sleep uh, infection inflammation in the system any uh, body reaction to any uh, obvious or non obvious infections and the last one is emotions i mean you could have emotional disturbances or even hormones right so all these factors play a very important role that's why i was mentioning that it's a very multifactorial training tool and you should not get swayed by the number that you are seeing on your uh, garmin watch and and anand how would one adapt to the training based on the variations in heart rate on day to day basis right so for example like i i spoke earlier saying that today my heart rate was high whereas sometimes even during my tempos my heart rate does not go that high right so uh, and and even you you mentioned earlier as to people get obsessed by it while it's an input so if you can elaborate on it to say the same thing again this perceived effort right perceived effort should govern everything that you are seeing on your device or what is being measured at your heart rate how's your perceived effort even if the heart rate is racing what is your perceived effort you might be okay to cut the run short uh, but not go too intense so again the training principles one should not forget is the whole thing though your whole body is under stress which is a uh, uh, a multiplying factor called frequency intensity and duration so how frequently you are training if you are holding the frequency same then you might want to reduce the intensity if you are going for a long duration and if you want to cut the duration you might want to increase the intensity but again perceived effort is something i would put at the top of everything use common sense right so conversational pace training as i said as uh, you would find in the literature or in your books also that nobody gets harmed by doing an easy run so people are again obsessed with their training plans forgetting that it's just a sketch it's not the final drawing um, so it should be uh, people should be adapting to the various conditions that are happening in your daily life uh, most of us are not el- elite or professional runners so we are using running as your passion or a hobby so let's not forget that if you're not deriving uh, joy out of it then it, the whole thing is of no use so conversational pace training should be your primarily focus for 80% of your time so even if your plan says go hard today but you are feeling otherwise i would say cut the run short talk to your coach uh, if you have one and then convert it to an easy nice and easy run where you can talk to your running uh, buddy right so 
learn from the elites, I would say. Um, they, they do most of their running easy, although their easy paces are faster. That's a different uh, topic. But most of the things should be kept easy and not be obsessed with. And obviously, as I said, I keep mentioning this, but power meter is another tool that you can look at. If you are obsessed with uh, the higher HR number, what is the power meter saying as well? So don't produce something which is your heart is uh, telling you that you're not able to produce on that day. Then you can limit it by other factors. Understood. So I, I heard you talking about as an input factor and also we have to uh, rely on more uh, commonsensical way of working, whether it is perceived heart rate and, and things like that. So uh, Anand, one more thing I want to ask you is uh, um, how can a person maintain their heart rate zones? And also, uh, will you suggest somebody to run a 10K versus half marathon versus a marathon on a particular heart rate? Yes. So that's a good question. So as I said, I would primarily look at heart rate monitoring tool in two ways only. One is for keeping runs easy most of the times. So that, that helps. Uh, don't get carried away. That helps in not getting carried away. That's one. Uh, people are also of the mentality of all or none. For example, if you want to measure the heart rate, then they will say, oh, I will measure on every run. But uh, if they miss it, then they feel something is wrong. So Get out of that mentality first, saying uh, you can do post-mortem of your runs. Sometimes it really helps to analyze your race performance, why it went that way, uh, analyzing your post-run data as well. So coming to your racing question, uh, for 10K half and uh, marathon distance, for example, these are the typically run events or races. Then uh, let me talk with the half first, because half marathon is a very popular distance and your uh, performance at half actually is dictated by your threshold pace. So you are able to hold uh, this threshold pace, which is nothing but the pace at your lactate threshold uh, heart rate. If you know your lactate threshold heart rate and I have data to back it up, um, I have been experimenting these many years on myself, on the people I advise, that if you are holding that to an extent and especially true for Places like, say, Mumbai Marathon, where the weather plays an uh, important role. Uh, there are hills in between, say, Pedder Road, etc. How you are negotiating that. All those things said, if you are able to run your half marathon at your lactate threshold or not exceeding too much throughout your run, then I would say you have optimally run your half marathon. Then you can interpolate or to 10K, yeah, you can start at the lactate threshold heart rate itself and then push higher as the race progresses because the run distance is shorter. Typically, if you are a very fit runner, then 40, 50 minutes is enough for you to get to the finish line. So I would say that could determine what heart rate you should be looking at. Definitely, you don't want to go into zone four and zone five. So again, use common sense for that. And marathon being a longer distance or a longish event, then this is something where the HR can drift over time. So you should probably start a little lower, say 80 or 90% of your lactate threshold, and then approach the lactate threshold as you near the last 10K of your race. Got it.
So Anand, I want to now uh, move on to recovery, right? And heart rate. So generally the recovery, when we are talking about, um, the heart rate is generally lower and especially it will be, our resting heart rate will be around 15 to 20 beats lower per minute than our when we are active, right? Especially for endurance athletes. Uh, and we also see that uh, the resting heart rate goes low, as low as say around 40 to 50 beats per minute right and uh, so i want to understand what is time to recovery and how do you use this in training so time to recovery is something a number in terms of hours reported by your fitness watch at the end of your run when you save it it will show you that the next suggested run or time for recovery is say 24 hours 36 hours depending on how hard or how easy you went in the current run so that's an empirical guesstimate looking at your stress. These guys or these devices, I would say, are getting smarter, no doubt. They have the history to look at how you are responding to uh, in terms of heart rate and etc. during your historical runs, etc. I'm not sure if these guys use these uh, algorithms are patented or private. So we would not know how they are computing this. Having said that, it's an estimate, right? So take it only as a rough get guideline. I would also look at something called as the time recovery that happens when you are stopping your run but not saving it. So it would start counting two minutes and it will show you how quickly or how late your heart rate is dropping to a level. That number um, is the recovery heart rate is also an indicating factor of how quickly you are likely to recover or how fit you are to recover. So these two factors, immediately after the run, wait for two minutes and observe your resting time to uh, recover. That is the number that you can compare over time. The second one, the time to recovery, is a number given by your watch. Take it as a rough guideline. I would say, again, don't forget the hard and easy principle. If you have gone hard today and the watch is saying, oh, go hard or maybe next is 24 hours, then if you have a coach, obviously he will or she will take care of that. But don't do a harder again, even if it says 24 recovery uh, time to recovery is 24 hours only, right? And then look at some data points like your maybe, and maybe there's a segue into the next, but say HRV score, what happens to their HRV score the next day and etc. It's a subjective feeling at the end of the day. If the number agrees with what you are feeling on the next day, great. I would say, and it agrees with your hard and easy training principle, great. Otherwise, I would just use as a one of the data points and not the sole guiding point. Understood. So for, for all of our listeners, uh, you can visit geeksonfeed.com and we have few articles on uh, lactic threshold HR and HR zones and perceived HR um, training. So, um, so um, fine. Anand, I also want to now talk a bit about heart rate variability and recovery, right? And uh, I want to come clean that I did not have much knowledge and I have read about it uh, for preparing this, uh, this episode. And uh, it is interesting to know, right, that heart rate variability refers to the to quantifying the difference between consecutive heartbeats. And, and um, this is explained by Marco 
Altini. He's a, he's a founder of the smartphone app uh, HRV for training. And every time the heart beats, the gap between each thump isn't exactly the same. And it will, uh, and these milliseconds that form the basis of the of your HRV. So, so Anand, what is HRV apart from the definition? And is it a better metric than uh, resting heart rate? Yes. Um, so it's interesting, as you said, definitely. And it happened to me why I started looking into HRV is because in say, 10 years ago, when I was doing these talks on uh, heart rate training, a question came from the audience saying, oh, you talked about this exercise science and how your fitness goes down on the training day. It recovers if you give sufficient recovery. What is the quantum of recovery? Because this is a very subjective feeling, right? Some people will recover faster depending on their age, gender, and etc. Whereas some people will take time. Is there a means or way to put a number saying this is how you have reco- uh, you have recovered or this is how you have not recovered, right? So that you can optimally tax or schedule your next workout. So when I started researching about this uh, question, I came across HRB. In 2016, I believe, uh, Marco was still developing this app and a system, I would say. It's not just an app because, um, as you will see, what HRB means, you briefly mentioned it, that it's a variation between the two successive heartbeats. So for the geeks out there, if you have seen a typical heart wave or heartbeat, it's PQRST wave, as it is called. The difference between R to R interval in this wave, which is typically spikes that you see in an ECG and etc. So that interval, time interval, is called the HRV. It's a major of HRV. The actual technical definition or ratio is called RMSSD, the root mean square of successive differences that you will have. That's a more statistical indicator to give a correct uh, number or idea. Why this happens? And when I started reading about this is... uh, a counterintuitive uh, feeling here is we should not have our heart beating at a metronomic level or rhythm in the sense when you say I have a 60 BPM beats per minute as my heart rate, you really don't expect it to beat at one second exact. And why I say that is because the heart is governed by the autonomous nervous system. As we all know, there is no control of our brain as such in the sense you cannot control consciously the two constituents of ANS are the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic the sympathetic nervous system is which increases your heart rate so a fight or a flight you want to run away from danger or you see a danger uh, this is where the sympathetic nervous system is acting and the parasympathetic nervous system is actually the reverse of it when you are relaxing you are eating you are recovering digesting all that thing right So as you can imagine, these are the two systems which are always in the kind of a tug-of-war situation. They're trying to bring the balance in the middle, uh, a homeostasis, right, as it's called. So if the variation is more, then you know that these two sides of this war are strong and pulling each other. If if this tug-of-war is not happening, then actually these systems are not functional or not robust enough. And that's that's the... underlying principle as how the variation happens and if you measure the variation then you come to know how strong your nervous system which is nothing but the stress on your body your nervous system is actually reflecting the stress on your body and the beauty of this is the stress can come in various forms it need not be all you are running and exercising 
it could be just mental stress some emotional stress etc so it's a holistic approach in that way uh, getting reflected in this uh, hrv score or rmssd number got it and uh, so anand we know you are the ambassador for hrv training and uh, if you can throw some light as to how and why is hrv gaining importance in running uh, Uh, i mean you did define uh, the importance of it but how can we uh, bring it to action right as i said and i mentioned this hrv for training is a system not just an app the reason i say that is hrv is useful only when taken first thing is accurately and also analyzed in the context of what is happening right what has happened to you as i said uh, just seeing a number in isolation is of no use or very little use right so comparing rhr previously was a good indicator that how you have recovered etc it's a one of the indicators it will not tell you how these nervous systems are in play at that point but it will give you enough indicator to go further to examine why rhr is the way it is or why your heart rate is the way it is then you need to look deeper and that's why you need to combine this hrv plus hr the your resting heart rate in the morning and that's why this importance of how to load your system optimally that's why it is gaining uh, more uh, spotlight in this uh, current times the other factor is this technology was not available until 2015-16 as i remember there were a couple of apps uh, elite hrv being one and hrv for training being the other which is a paid app the other one is the free one so how do i put a number to my common sense as i was saying earlier am i recovered enough and can i put a sensible number to that so this hrv monitoring or training is gaining importance because it can pair up with your strava or garmin account and etc it will start knowing about you it will start learning about you as this keyword today is ai and machine learning and etc so that also comes into picture the system learns about you you will find it funny that the system will not even predict anything for first four readings it is still learning about you right so as i was saying the it if you use the system for a longer time then you will be able to derive more meaningful actionable items so when to rest and when to push in training as i said training plan is just a plan it's a sketch it's a rough sketch it may not be the complete picture you may not be able to execute all the runs as per the plan that's fine when to rest and when to push if your plan is saying otherwise is another important factor people do the mistakes of pushing when they should not be and get injured and all that so as i said notice that i called hrv for training and not racing <laughs> and i just wanted to mention this fun fact here i don't know how many of you listened to one of the interviews of eliot kipchoge he was called out for using the aura ring that he uses and what's the score on a race day he was asked do you look at the aura Uh, ring score which is nothing but again a measure of your recovery in hrv so he said no he doesn't look at that score so as i said for racing it could be a different ball game there could be different reasons you have traveled and etc it will reflect in your uh, hrv score and etc but when to use it sensibly in your training if you believe in uh, training sensibly you would not probably care on a race day more but uh, identifying a general fitness trend because the number in isolation is of no use there is another level of detail and i think this is only to peak interest of people uh, into this technology and the system i would say that what is the coefficient coefficient of variation and things like that how 
a stable HRV and not then increasing HRV could be also an okay indicator or it's a green signal. And other uh, insights that you can gain out of it is how you are coping well with the training or not. And furthermore, these devices or these apps can give you a good indicator of your lactate threshold pace and even your VO2 max uh, estimation and etc. So it goes further than that. So that's why people are finding that it's in the it's a holistic approach. It's not just looking at your heart rate alone. It is giving you a context of your uh, training that you did yesterday. It's able to monitor that, how you are responding to that and all that. So I would say, and it's becoming a, a mainstream technology. It was not available to all of us. And that's the simple reason people could not just use this technology. And that's why people uh, think are more interested in uh, how they can use it better. So, so Anand, uh, I mean, uh, the bag, we, we know the background now for HRV and, and can you tell us the ways to measure our HRV? Right. So ideally, as I said, you should have a chest strap because chest strap will give you the most accurate reading rather than anything else. Although you will find that HRV for training takes pride in publishing research papers where their app is able to match the results of a chest strap. And by chest strap, I mean Polar H10, which is considered as a gold standard, which can detect and emit the successive differences in your heart rate. All straps are not the same. Please note that make sure the chest strap that you are buying has an HRV capability. So it can emit those kind of signals and they can detect and compute the HRV score, right? So the software plus the chest strap, both are required to measure the HRV. Accuracy is very important, paramount importance, and then computing the trend. So that's why you should have an app or a system which can take a look at these scores over time and make sense out of it. If it can look at your training data, well, great. As I said, there are other apps also which can do that. Uh, but number in isolation without context is pretty much useless. You will find that these apps will ask you tons of questions. Uh, have you traveled? Have you had alcohol intake uh, the previous night and all that? So it has to be answered to make sure that you are feeding this system, which is learning about you in a meaningful way. I like to mention here that for accuracy, Polar H10 is considered gold standard. Next, would I would say Scotia Rhythm 24 is another uh, armband which you can wear on your arm or sleeve uh, that can also emit uh, heart rate variability score they have their own app but as I said that app will only tell you the HRV reading that is of no use or little use in your training so HRV for training app with PPG based sensor your phone camera they have published research that they match the results of uh, polar H10 so if you are fine with that then uh, you, all you need is this app and your phone, which is uh, easily available in the morning by your bedside. Um, the other app I mentioned is uh, Elite HRV app. You can check that out as well. Um, and some of the expensive uh, options are also out there, but those are mainly for, say, clubs and maybe at elite level, um, athlete and etc. So you can go all out on this depending on what your interest take you. So the advanced watches like Garmin uh, 965, 955, and maybe Phoenix 6X Pro series, etc., they also use HRV technology where they can emit these numbers and you can see the trend uh, in Garmin Connect or any other software where it can be exported to. Got it. 
So thank you, Anand. Thank you uh, for taking out time for today's episode. And I wish you all the best for the coming season and um, happy running. Thank you. And thanks to all the listeners uh, who are patiently listening to this podcast. And uh, it's a great series, I would say. I have listened to many podcasts on this uh, Geeks for Feet. So please do check out others. At the end of it, I would say, please keep your brain sane. Please use your common sense. This is all great. Uh, this technology is advancing at a very rapid pace these days. So it should not overtake us in the sense it should not start ruling us. We should be still ruling the technology. Thank you. I would like to thank all our listeners. And if you like this episode and would like to know more on the world of running, please subscribe to our channel. And if you know of someone who is starting their journey into fitness and running, do share a podcast link with them. I would like to thank my friend Arvind for editing, sound recording and taking care of the post-production for this podcast. If you have any suggestions on improving the content of the show or topics you would like us to cover, please share it by emailing us at connect at geeksonfeet.com or you can also reach us through Twitter, Facebook or Instagram 